Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. I'm sitting in the State Library in Melbourne recording this and yes, <laughs> that is, I'm in Melbourne. I now live in Melbourne. I'm going to live in Melbourne for a couple of months, maybe a year, um, other than travelling to Edinburgh in August and probably doing uh, the UK in September. Uh, I'm based in Melbourne now and true to form, uh, having made this sort of whim decision and moving to Melbourne, I keep getting offered work in Sydney, which is super frustrating, uh, but my own fault entirely. Um, you probably know part of the reason, if you've been listening to this podcast, if you're a regular listener, if you're not welcome, uh, this is a solo episode. So uh, if you're here for the interviews on the chats, um, this is not the one. Although I'm going to talk a little bit later about an abstract issue, which is kind of what I do. So listen on, I guess. Um, I'm not telling you what to do. Do what you want. Do what you want. So I'm now in Melbourne. I moved here because I had moved home with my parents last year to look after my mum. And then my mum died. I stuck around, looked after my dad and, and hung out with my twin brother for a little bit and then did Perth Festival, Adelaide Festival, Canberra, Melbourne, back to Sydney and then decided I needed to look for a place and looking at places in Sydney and Melbourne I thought why not Melbourne, feeling quite unanchored in the world as I from travelling and from, from all of that happening I felt like maybe I'll just try a new place for a while, maybe I'm running away from my problems, uh, the problem with running away from your problems is that wherever you go you're there so if you have any recommendations for tea places in Melbourne, let me know. I can now, um, I can now, this is an amazing thing. Thank you everyone who's been uh, supporting me on Patreon um, because I can now afford to buy all of the tea that I have with my guests from the proceeds of my Patreon account, which is amazing. That's an amazing privilege and and. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I, I really, I think that's a wonderful thing. Thank you everyone who's emailed me at alicerfraser at gmail.com. Uh, it's been really good. As I said, I've been feeling quite unanchored and so it's really wonderful to hear from you. Really wonderful. And I have people who follow me on Twitter at alliterative, that's also tops. Thank you everyone who came out to see Savage or Everyone's a Winner in the run of these festivals. It's really cool. And it culminated in Sydney where I sold out my run and I've been offered a show at the Comedy Store, a bonus extra show. And that's not a huge deal um, for some people, but it is a huge deal for me. It's a big kind of step up, or it will be if I can fill it out and kind of make it into a thing, you know. I think it's one of those things that if, if it's a fine show, it'll be fine, but if it's a really good show... Some people will sit up and take notice and I'm, I'm hoping that will happen. I also want to film it. Uh, so for those of you who are not in Sydney or who won't be in Edinburgh, who won't have a chance to see Savage but would like to, um, send everyone you know in Sydney, particularly people with loud laughs, um, to the show, the 24th of July at the Comedy Store. Tickets are already on sale. I would love to fill it out. I'd like to film it and then I will have a download or a DVD available for people who can't see the show or haven't been able to see the show, um, if you are a patron, if you are a patron, a pa patron on Patreon, far out, I don't know. If you are a Patreon supporter, you will get that for free. That's something I can give you guys back. 
um, for all the tea you've bought me. Um, so that's that. I, if you have a suggestion for somebody who you'd like on the tea cast, just let me know. I'll try and get them or contact them. <laughs> that's always nice when people ask to be on. I've got some really good episodes in the bank um, that need a bit of heavy editing. I've got one with Lawrence Mooney and one with Cam Knight where there's just a lot of background noise, but they're really interesting conversations. So I'm going to do my best to edit them down with my rudimentary audio skills. Uh, if you liked an episode, tweet the person who is on the episode because they don't get paid other than my delightful company. Uh, so it's it's nice for them to hear that you enjoyed listening to them. Now, I was in the back of the... Um, in more theatre the other day and I bumped into a guy who's kind of a big deal um, and he said he'd heard about Savage, the show, and he'd heard that it was therapy. And I was <laughs> I was made furious by that. I, I don't like it when people call my comedy therapy because it's like calling... Uh, it's like saying it's not really comedy or if it is comedy, it's dual-purpose comedy. Like like a shampoo slash conditioner. It can't be as good at the thing that it is if it's the other thing as well. And I don't think my comedy is therapy. And I wrote this kind of angry blog post, which you can look up on my on my um, blog. But I'm going to read you some of it now because it made me... Yeah, I, don't, I didn't know why I had such a strong reaction to that. And I've had it before as a piece of feedback... I think it's a lazy piece of feedback, not to review reviewers, um, but I, I think it sort of doesn't do me a lot of credit um, because in my head the purpose of comedy is, is speaking truth, right, and particularly speaking truth to power, and by power I don't necessarily mean institutions, but I also mean sort of social taboos and things that we don't talk about. Um, therapy is a different thing, and... and but it's it's a piece of feedback that I've had more than once. So when I hear it again, it makes me think, well, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe I'm wrong about what I'm doing, and and I have to think about that. And I thought about it, particularly with Savage, because it's such a personal show. And I've come down on the side of thinking it's not therapy again. And maybe that is just self congratulatory, uh, self indulgent. But I don't think it is. I, it implies to a certain extent that any of the feelings that the audience have in response to my performance are a side effect, not intentional, not a, not a result of something that I've done on purpose, uh, just discomfort with watching me not really be able to handle myself. And I think this show is very deliberate. And uh, as I did with Everyone's a Winner, and uh, I, I mentioned this a couple of times, but... People who saw Everyone's a Winner, a couple of reviewers said, oh, she seems really unlikable at the beginning, but by the end, you like her. And that, the whole show is like that structure. I start dressed as a lawyer. My jokes are all one-liners, quite, and, and, and they're quite sort of impersonal one-liners. They're quite harsh and edgy. And then I move, I move closer into myself and I take off the lawyer clothes and I, I move through slow layers of revelation until at the end I am myself. And yet people thought that was an accident. I don't know how 
much more obvious I would have to be in my message? Do I have to say that that's what I'm doing? Do I have to explicitly say that this is what I'm doing? Because maybe I do. Maybe maybe the things that I assume are obvious are not obvious. Maybe I'm not smart enough to lay it out clearly and and give it enough of an on-ramp, maybe. I do get the criticism of Savage that it's too much, like it's a lot in a show. It's a lot to ask of an audience who want to see a night of comedy uh, to deal with these kind of heavy themes, but I really think that it is comedy. I think that that's, or I mean art at least, is the purpose is to deal with uncomfortable things and make them engaging and interesting and, and, and force you, not force you, invite you into... A, a, a really interesting experience, a, a sort of a intellectual and, and, and physical, visceral experience of an idea that you might not turn your mind to that often. And then you decide if you agree with me or not on my opinion of the world. I'm not, not going to push you into that. I just want to show you how I think. I think not how I feel, but how I think. And I think if I was showing you how I feel then it's therapy. If I'm saying, I feel this and I don't know why, then it's therapy. But I know why. Oh, I'm not being very articulate. There you go. Um, I've spoken for nearly 10 minutes and I haven't got to the point. This is why I write my shows. <laughs> Maybe this is why... This is why... This is the difference between my shows and me just talking talking through something. Maybe I should be paying you to be listening to this. But uh, certainly with with Savage dealing with death and specifically not with my mum's death but with um, with the process of, of her having a terminal illness my whole life that I can remember and how that's shaped my attitude to things, um, I am maybe more blasé about talking about death or more comfortable with that reality than a lot of people. A lot of people don't... It reminds me of my grandmother who survived the Holocaust and then didn't have any older friends because all her family had been killed and all of her, all of the old people she knew had died in horrible ways and then she came to Australia and made friends her own age. And so when they started dying of old age... She couldn't handle it. She couldn't see it as anything other than a violent injustice. She couldn't understand death as anything other than something that was done to you. She would say, you know, this you know, 89-year-old lady would die in the hospital. She'd say, what, what did they do? What did they do? What did they do to her? Did they poison her? And you think, well, she was 89. She's like an 89-year-old Holocaust survivor. It's, she just died. But my grandmother couldn't understand that. And I think... We sanitise death and the reality of the fact that we're all uh, dying so much that people don't want to look at it and they don't want to think about it. And I'm not saying that you have to be morbid. I'm not saying that you should, like, constantly be joking about it or reminding yourself that you're going to die. But I do think a little bit more awareness of how short life can be would make the world a better place, make people a little kinder, make people a little bit more driven a bit more generous and a little bit straighter in their priorities.
uh, at the moment there's this pressure that says to talk about death is rude because it makes people uncomfortable. And I don't think making people uncomfortable is, is rude necessarily. There are some things that need to be unsettled and made uncomfortable. And we're going towards this kind of nasty trend that suggests that making somebody feel uncomfortable is an affront or an insult rather than part of the process of, of moving forward. We don't move forward if we're not challenged. Everything, every piece of progress is the, is the result of a discourse, is the result of challenging and make strength, make, making our ideas stronger in argument or breaking them down. You, you, you can't move forward unless you are bouncing off something, coming up against something. Otherwise, we're just all floating in cotton wool. Anyway, so that's what I think. There's your little rant for the day. I'm sorry that it was not an interview with somebody else, but it was me interviewing myself. Uh, and again, it's probably more interesting when you're bouncing off somebody. So I've proved my point doubly. Thanks for listening. Uh, you are having tea with Alice. Tune in next week. Same bat internet. Uh, it's not a bat internet, it's just the normal internet. And I, I hope you're well. Let me know if you're well. Let me know if you're not well. Email me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>